0: Hey, it's Jay. And and I swear to you, the universe has a sense of irony. Today, we're going to explore a daily podcast. And oh my gosh, what goes into creating a daily show? All that podcasting, right? Well, you maybe already can hear this, but my voice is not what it usually is because yesterday I had quite a few podcast interviews for this show and my other show, Unthinkable. And then a friend of mine decided to ask me to join a clubhouse chat about the art of the interview. So I spent probably six hours talking into a microphone or my headphones and I woke up today without a voice. That was one day or six total hours. What does it take to make a daily podcast and not sound like me? Well, we're going to dive into that today with one of the best daily podcasts I can think about from Discovery Curiosity Daily and a few things I wanted to learn from them. One, daily. Uh, how please tell me how, cause <clears throat> second, communicating science as they do as non-scientists is an incredibly difficult task an incredibly important one. How do you make something complicated seem more simple without getting too rudimentary or disrespecting quote unquote, the craft, the science, the, the real truth behind it all. We'll go into that. There's just so much that we learned on this episode of the show. And uh, while I'd like to say more, physically, I don't know if I can. So, uh, <clears throat> here's the music. I want to know how to do the things to do.
1: A thing, a two, a three that only counts.
0: Welcome to 3 Clips, where podcasters take us inside their best work. I am a very hoarse Jay Aconzo, but the show must go on. The things I do for you, my listener, and the least you could do is support us. It's really hard to make this show, uh, usually intellectually, but today physically, so... Give us a share, give us a review, uh, purchase my course on show development. It's called growable shows. There's a link in the show notes. If you want to make a show that resonates more deeply and helps you own an idea outright in the market and in the minds of your audience and explore something that matters, check out that course. Again, it's physically hard to make this show, not just intellectually hard. I swear this is not an act today. Anyways, I am your host as usual, and today we're breaking down a show called Curiosity Daily. It's that daily science podcast I mentioned from Discovery, and there are two co-hosts that we had on at the same time, Ashley Hamer and Cody Goff. Now between the two of them, there was a lot we can learn, but we still kept it focused on the small stuff, the tiny things, the unique little wrinkles and techniques and micro moments that all add up to a big successful show. That stuff, the tiny things, is where the magic happens. So I got to go get some tea, honestly. I'll be back with some voiceover later in the episode, but uh, for now, let's get into it with Ashley and Cody, the co-hosts of Curiosity Daily. You, you host a, a, a daily show, and so I can only imagine everybody who hears I'm interviewing two co-hosts of a daily show is thinking like, like how in the world? That's just my question. It's just how? <laughs>
2: uh great organization yes just really have to organize every step of the way yeah um and pre-planning you know
1: i've never been so organized in my life yeah yeah what
2: what is
0: something you have a process for and is organized that you think if you were doing a, a weekly show or a you know every other week show that you you wouldn't think that far into the weeds of what the process and apparatus has to look like what's something you have to go that extra mile to organize
2: something that's very different than than a weekly show is because honestly most of the organization is very similar to a weekly show but the way that we do it we make it very it's sort of like legos we take different stories um, and we put them together into episodes so that we have stuff at the ready any time to put into a daily episode um, so there isn't a whole lot of planning like okay three months from now, we're going to do an episode about X. So let's start gathering all of the materials. It's more of a, this is a great story that should be on an episode. So we're going to get that made. And then we're going to have it at the ready when, when we need it. And so we just have like, we're like sitting on a little stockpile of great content. And then that content goes up. Yeah.
0: Cody, you've worked with dozens of different hosts before as a host of a daily show. Is there someone whose voice is always in the back of your mind? Like, how, how are you able to rise to that demand given all the experience you've had? Like, how have you been essentially preparing to do a daily show given your, your body of work?
1: I think more broadly, I've drawn from my radio experience of get people's attention immediately and hold it right away and be as concise as possible. So, you know, I come from a world where you have five to 10 minutes for an entire segment and then it's time for ad breaks or news breaks or traffic or weather or whatever it might be. So for us, that works really well and it translates because we're doing three stories in around 10 minutes. So we only get a few minutes per story. That's always in the back of my head. I always, particularly when, when, finessing scripts. I I always want to get right there, like get the lead out there. I I need people to know at the start of the episode, within the first 30 seconds, you will always know exactly what you're about to hear. And then at the start of every story, we'll reiterate what you're about to hear. And then at the end of the episode, we do a wrap up where we kind of reiterate in very simple terms, the three main takeaways from that day. So uh, it's just about a lot of clarity, I tend to be a very emphatic person. So part of it's my
0: personality, I think, and and some of the repetition and just knowing what people can process. All right. uh, It's Jay again. I I do have some tea here. You know, it's helping. It's, It's not quite solved the problem. So I'll be brief. I'll be brief again. So now that you know a little bit about our guests today, it's time to dissect Curiosity Daily piece by piece. But first, let's pay the bills really quick. Here's a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Wistia. If you work with others, you essentially have two jobs when you make anything creative. Do the work while also securing resources to do the work. Inevitably, you have to get buy-in from a boss, a client, a teammate, or 12, some kind of stakeholder. And honestly, that process is kinda really sorta definitely terrible. Luckily, my friends at Wistia put together a resource that can help. It's a collection of research and data that can help you better secure resources to make a show, even if your boss is still skeptical. It ranges from the ROI reported by other brands making shows, to the consumption behavior of podcast listeners and video viewers, to what the creative techniques inside a show can do for a brand and its ability to grow audience, and a lot more. Visit Wistia.com and search their learning center for the phrase 37 Stats. Wistia is on a mission to make business more human and builds tools to help you find, engage, and grow your audience through video and original series. That's wistia.com. And big thanks to them for their support. All of your episodes dance around different topics. Um, We're going to pull all of our clips today from one uh, specific episode, The Myth of Pregnancy Cravings, Why Raindrops Don't Damage Insect Wings, and August's Curiosity Challenge Trivia. So this is from September 4th, 2020, And this first clip comes um, right at the jump, right at the beginning of the episode.
1: Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com.
2: I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn why pregnancy cravings might be more cultural than biological and why raindrops don't damage delicate insect wings. Then play along at home and test your podcast knowledge with this month's Curiosity Challenge trivia game.
1: Let's satisfy some curiosity and challenge it. You (laughs) were waiting for me to say challenge it, weren't you? We're going to do both. My wife is pregnant, but I don't think you have to have a pregnant wife to know that when a pregnant woman has a craving for pickles and ice cream, you get her pickles and ice cream. Doesn't matter if it's late at night. Doesn't matter if she's going to dip the pickle in the ice cream. Doesn't matter. You get it for her. I mean, her body's working pretty hard to grow a baby, all right? She's got enough on her plate. And more than that, you might think, well, her body needs the nutrients and cravings are nature's elegant way of getting those nutrients. But that last part is a little hairy. According to a new analysis of several studies, reality may be a little more complicated.
0: So obviously, we can tell right away there's a little bit of repetition across episodes. I think even if you've never heard another episode of your show. Listeners to three clips can probably tell. Oh, okay. They open the show a certain way and then lead into segment one. And but I'm sure you're noticing some little variance between when you do that on other episodes and this one. So what uniquely stood out about your performance, your script, your delivery of of that piece there, uh, Cody? Maybe let's start with you.
1: Yeah. So once a month we do the curiosity challenge. And y- you know, I usually end the intro with, let's satisfy some curiosity, but typically I, I'd i throw in something like, let's satisfy and challenge some curiosity, and I'll occasionally ad-lib based on what the first few stories were, and in this case, it was after we had been doing it for a few months, so the listener had become accustomed to me saying, let's satisfy and challenge some curiosity and so i you know i just did the pause just for a you know a small um, comedic thing okay. side note the reason we say curiosity daily right at the top of the episode is because of spotify and pandora because we realized that if somebody has uh the, you know podcast recommendations served up to them and they're not looking at their phone maybe you may not necessarily know what you're listening to unless you identify what the name of your show is at the start of the episode so that was a conscious decision once those became a little more popular but anyway, yeah, back to the, the you know, the customization, we just, yeah, we just, again, try to keep it simple. And um, I like to, you know, mess around with it. It, it, it gets boring if it's, if it's a totally standardized thing, you know?
0: Exactly. But I think what's missed in a lot of shows is, especially when you have a, a scripted, you know, boilerplate, is people don't establish it first, or runners, you know, that could be a running joke or just a running theme, but like people don't let it persist the same way enough that people get it and then break from it. But that sort of like it's almost like an accordion it's like you want to it's a little bit of tension that you're relieving it's like you're doing it every episode and then you do it a slightly different way this episode and those really passionate listeners they're in on the joke and i think that deepens relationships so it's like a really subtle thing but i think a very important thing when you do anything serialized ashley i'd love to know about when you hear yourself reading a script what are you noticing like i think there was there was an alliterative phrase there i can't quite remember what it was but it was a d word followed by a d word and i was like ooh. My tongue would trip over that. It's not easy to sound good reading a script into a microphone.
2: Oh, yeah. And this has been something I've, you know, really, really worked on for years with a lot of help from Cody, for sure. I think when I'm when I'm reading a script, I'm really focusing on trying to just do it in a way that might sound like I'm explaining it to a friend. And You know, obviously, our our episodes are edited as well. So I probably tripped over those D words right when I was doing it. But I like to really accent the important parts of the sentence, the parts that the listener really needs to hear. I think that, especially with the content that we're covering, it's very easy to gloss over facts and the listener just won't even process it if you don't really nail that important part of the sentence.
0: If if you zoom out from the, the read of a specific single episode, I'm thinking about how, you know, this, what we just played, tees up the very concept of your show, the premise of your show. And the importance of a premise, I don't think can be overstated because it's how people self-select into your show. It kind of provides that motivation to subscribe to a newcomer. It's how people convey it to a friend. So it's how word of mouth happens, which is such a big way that shows grow. And it also helps you focus. Like if you're making choices for your show, you're helping like, you know, mold things to the premise, like the angle or, you know, types of stories you look for. And I'm struck by, you know, Curiosity Daily, it could feel like a very broad catch-all of a premise. How would you describe it to somebody else? And how would you describe it in a way that it makes it stand out against a very saturated niche?
1: We're a little... We're not quite in the the fully saturated space because there are a lot of science podcasts and a lot of educational podcasts, but there aren't a lot of 10-minute fixes of of things like that. Our show is an escape from the news that will teach you something that is science or research-based that you can take with you that's not going to just be irrelevant in You know, six to nine months or whatever. But but, you know, it's evergreen. It's evergreen universal, like stuff about the world, stuff about your life, stuff about history, stuff about culture. Like you you really get to the root of of stuff. And um, yeah, in in a research based, fact based way.
2: Yeah, I think the the escape from the news is something that we talk about a lot, like an oasis from the daily news shows. And, uh, and one way that we do that is trying to find the silver lining in every story and trying to focus on the good and leave people feeling kind of better about the world or better about the future. And that's, that's not always easy to do, but that's, that's one of the ways that we kind of color the content that we, that we find to, to cover.
0: There's obviously a ton of research that goes into the show and you cite the sources uh, everywhere you can find the notes. As people who have, you know, a percent of your roles uh, are to be science communicators or communicators of things that are well researched, what level of responsibility do you feel? Because there's, it's just there's no gatekeepers. You know, we kind of live in this post-truth world that everyone keeps talking about. There's a, there's an element of rigor to your show. Walk me through that.
2: I, you know, it's it's very important to me that w- everything that we cover on the show is true as much as we can say it is. And so to do that. You know, we make sure that there there is a peer reviewed study associated with it or if there isn't that it's generally a, a, you know, generally scientists agree about it. Yeah. And so that that does take a lot of legwork. That takes a lot of checking and rechecking and asking people who are experts in this because we cover a lot of content. You can't be an expert in everything.
1: Yeah, the show is scripted because we take it so seriously the first handful of episodes we did were not ad-libbed entirely, but we were working more on bullet points and our language was imprecise. And we we only had feedback on a couple stories, but still it was enough for us to be like, yeah, you know our language wasn't that precise, and then we rigorously make sure that it's that it's precise when it comes to the actual script. But you could hear it in the clip that you just played. Actually, when I was talking about my wife being pregnant, and I was talking about how if a pregnant woman gets wants something, then you get it for you know her. But I I took pains to specifically say, you know, her body's working overtime. She's doing this. She's doing that because I didn't want the takeaway from the listener to be like, you better get. The pregnant person something because they're real moody like that's a fine line so you have to be very clear about what you're implying when you say something um, and using specific language is really important and Ashley is really good at that um, there are there are words that are banned from the show uh, that we just you know we, we're not going to say like oh that's totally insane or whatever because it's, it could stigmatize mental health right so um, stuff like that I think we take it very seriously, we, we really uh, just pay really close attention to what we're saying and and how we're saying it.
0: So I, I love to move on to the next clip. We're going to move now from the clip that we think spoke to your show's premise to a clip that speaks to what happens after people think the premise is for them. Once they feel motivation to subscribe, you need to provide them motivation to stay. So the experience of your show. It's not enough to just have a great premise. You have to have a great format and execution and experience inside of it. And I think there's this like golden rule of podcasting, which is get them to the end. And so I would love to play this clip because I think it speaks to your ability to do that incredibly well. I think more so than most shows. It is a heavily segmented show. You're very, um, it's not stressful fast, but it is fast paced. And I think that helps with keeping people engaged and keeping them around. So I'd love to dive into this clip. Because in this clip, you slow it down, which is really interesting. Uh, So this is from the very end of the episode. And this is when you kind of start talking about the takeaways and banter a little bit as co-hosts. Here's the clip.
2: Okay, so now let's recap what we learned today. Starting with the fact that pregnancy cravings aren't probably biological. Womp womp. They don't happen in every culture, for one thing. And the kinds of food that pregnant people do crave don't actually contain nutrients that are important during pregnancy. But, hey, if you've got cravings, go ahead and satisfy them. I'm not going to judge you. The only weird, like, nutrition
1: stuff we've kind of run into is that uh, my wife is an avid drinker of mate, this tea-like beverage from South America. And that has a lot of caffeine, right? Yeah. Uh, Well, she just stopped wanting it. I mean, she was a like that was her coffee, right? Like Monte was like her go to every morning. And uh, yeah, just like totally stopped, like, but not even like because of the caffeine content. It was just straight up like, yeah, I don't really feel like this. So, wow.
2: My mom would always tell me that she ate entire flats of strawberries when she was pregnant with me. But I've got to be honest. I know her today. She would do that now. So <laughs> I don't think it was a pregnancy thing. <laughs>
1: oh the other weird thing happened was uh so like my brother's a bodybuilder so he's very nutrition kind of focused and um and he like convinced me at one point in my 20s to just stop eating bread
0: so uh, cody the moment you cut in after ashley's uh scripted read there and it was it was a great scripted read and and the value of that moment to recap something you learned was very very important but the moment you cut in cody something changed in my brain where it was like you you felt like you were riffing a little bit more. So I'm curious, what's written in the script there? Is it just riff? Is it actually what you're saying? Or is it a couple bullets about the story in your life? Because it felt like you shifted gears from straight up reading to more of that banter behind the scenes.
1: We kind of know when to ad lib at this point. I used to write in the script, literally ad lib in brackets, but we kind of have a flow at this point. Sometimes, if I think of something while I'm working on a script, or if Ashley thinks of something while she is working on it, we'll put something in the script. Sometimes I'll even black it out so that she can't read it. So she sees that I'm going to jump in with something, but it's not spoiled so that there's more of a live reaction. But a lot of times it, it's it's off the cuff. Um, and I, I drew this from my radio background also. So I worked for, I still do occasionally work with a host, uh, Brian Noonan in Chicago. And listeners called in all the time that they they tuned into the show to, to hear Brian. And I, I knew that going in when I joined Curiosity, I knew I'm getting hired to do an educational show. Uh, but if the listeners don't care about the hosts and they don't have an attachment with the hosts, then we might as well just just have like an Amazon Alexa or something just reading a script. People aren't just going to come for information and stay for information and they come for information, they're going to stay for us. So, um, that's always been an extremely fundamental part of the show that that's very, very important to me. And I always keep in, but I know that some people just want that information fix. So we've kind of drifted, you know, we used to do ad libs throughout the episode and now they're a little bit more blocked into the end. And the thinking behind that is, well, if people want to just hear three stories about science and then go on to the next show, great. They've got their three stories. They don't have to deal with, you know, us, quote, unquote, wasting time. Yeah. And there's definitely time. It's not a hard and fast rule. There is one where in the first five minutes, we go back and forth about teleportation and what happens if you could teleport your body. And it's phenomenal. And it's like, it, like half of it is ad lib. It's
2: Well, that's a That's a very important question in teleportation, though. I mean, like, would you be the same person if you teleported? That just gets people talking for hours. And it's important to cover in the beginning. But also, it was very bantery. So,
0: Ashley, you just very naturally cut in a little bit while Cody was talking. It's part of the relationship that you've developed, I imagine. Co-host relationships are a special thing. So, Ashley, what do you know to be true about this relationship? How does it work? Why is it charming on the air? You know, it's it's something that you must have had to work at.
2: It is. It is. And... You know, the, the stuff that Cody's been saying about the personality and loving the hosts, that's something that has been really hard won for me. I, I'm very information focused. I mean, I, you know, I'm the managing editor. I have to make sure all the, all the facts are right. And so when we started getting feedback about us as people, that was surprising to me. I didn't expect that to happen. And now I've kind of learned that. You know, it's it's becoming more natural, and and honestly, just Cody and I have been working together for years now, so we really have gelled, and we really do kind of know where our roles are. And at certain points, we've we've overlapped too. Like I think Cody Cody just made a a science metaphor the other day that he was like, "Wait, what did I just do? That's so weird." Uh, and and I'll. I'll make puns every so often. I don't like it. Sometimes it happens. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I suppose at the beginning, I was the straight man and Cody was the, the personality. And um, I think as time has gone on, we've just become, you know, smoother and, and we've gelled together.
0: Do you have a sense for the differences? And and I know, Ashley, you started as a writer and you've done ad copy, which is a different form of writing, certainly than longer form. What are some of the stark differences you've noticed doing a scripted show between what most people who write things are used to and what people who write things for audio need to do?
2: Yeah. Again, Cody's years in radio have really helped me with this. You know, shorter words, shorter sentences, Uh, No no clauses in the middle of sentences, no like asides. Oh, that's
0: so, so painful in my like checkered past, early past writing scripts for narrative style shows in particular, because I'm very long winded as a person and I love parenthetical asides as a writer. And you could hear me being like, please, God, remember the point I was heading towards. Now here's this insert in the middle. And now I'll come back to the point at the end. And you listen back and you're like, that was a train wreck.
2: Right. Because if you can't remember, how are they supposed to remember? (laughs) Yeah. And one thing that's kind of specific to our show is I try to include as few numbers as possible. And that's hard with the science show, but you can do it because the problem is when we when we say a number, when we say a measurement, we need to do it in both imperial and metric. So that just becomes, you know, word salad. We're just saying a bunch of words. So a lot of the time, a good way to do that is to say, it's as big as a blue whale. It's as heavy as a 747. And it just gives you more of, Uh, a visual of what the thing is rather than having to think of numbers and then translate them. Maybe other people think of numbers differently than I do, but when I hear a number, it it doesn't mean a lot to me. I have to go through some processing before I can really understand it.
1: And what Ashley said about, uh, you said we we need to do it in Imperial and metric. Uh, We don't. We choose to. And that's part of the responsibility that we take because we do have a lot of international listeners and we want to make the show more accessible.
0: I, I, one of the things I felt, um, so doing doing some teaching now of other podcasters who have seen my early work in narrative style, and they're like, I like to do a narrative style show. And I'm like, you say that now, but you don't. Uh, trying to help people understand some of the subtleties of scripting for audio, I think the best way is just, just push them out of the nest and just be like, do it, record it, hear yourself back. You'll learn so much by just doing that process. And and one of the things I I, I noticed is... It's it's important, but difficult to master this nuanced idea of introducing tension. So I, we had an interview with um, Lizzie Peabody, who hosts Side Door from the Smithsonian. And she talked about one of her uh, pet peeve tropes in narrative style or, or any kind of scripted podcast is when someone said, I, I wanted to get to the grocery store. The problem, my car didn't start. And it's like, that's a very overly manufactured moment of tension. So I'm wondering how you guys think about, you know, raising the stakes having intrigue, creating tension. So it does feel gripping because the reverse of that, the danger is especially a show like yours, it could just be fact fatigue. It's like, here's a fact, next fact. Here's the fact, here's a fact, here's a fact. So you have to have that arc, that story, that tension to it. How do you think about writing that in?
2: Well, yeah, I think our, our real danger with that is not uh, the problem. It's more... What's the deal with
0: this? Because you become if, Seinfeld podcasters.
2: right? Exactly. Because if that question is not a question, most people would have, well, like, why do you care? Like, what? Like, why are you talking down to me? I, I, ne- why would anyone wonder about this? Like, you have to make the value known. You have to let them know, like, no, this is weird. You should wonder about this. But it's very easy to just like, how are we going to start the script? Oh, let's just be like, hey, have you ever wondered about this really esoteric thing that you've never heard of? Like, that's not that's not going to fly. The the real trick, though, is because we like to let people know what they're getting. So there's a real dance you have to do between saying, okay, this next very short segment you're going to hear is about this thing and you're going to love it. But also, we want you to get to the end. So we don't want to tell you everything. So that first you know, couple sentences is really important and has to achieve all of those things.
0: So we've talked about your premise. We've talked about the experience inside the show. The premise provides motivation to subscribe. The experience provides motivation to stay for the listener. And when you get people's time investment like that, daily show is obviously a a heavy time investment. You get to start earning trust and love over time, which is really what our shows are for, is that deeper connection in a world of content that so often trends shallow and chases the algorithm and the clicks and the sensational. And and I think there's subtle things you can do to develop that connection. And then there's very overt things you could do. And, And both of them are very useful. And we've pulled out a very overt thing that you do to build community and a connection with your audience, which revolves around trivia. And so I'd love to just play that clip. This happens, I believe, partway through the episode. It is not the final moment of the episode, but it's a recurring thing you do. And so here's an example of you building community with a listener. And as an amazing gift to me, when Sheree, our producer, plucked this awesome episode out of your feed and said, let's take a listen to this one, I was like, wait a second. I know this guy because from down the street here in Boston, here comes Tom Webster, who I've hung out with at conferences and spoken on stages too. And him, his wife, Tamsin is a friend. and, And I was like, this guy is on their show. So this is awesome. This is a treat for me. So here is you talking to a listener slash SVP of Edison Research, one of the premier research firms in podcasting, Tom Webster.
2: All right. Uh, This is the last question. Question number three. A recent study concluded that men probably shouldn't pose with this in their dating profile pictures. Is it A, a tiger, B, a baby, or C, a house cat?
0: That would be C, a house cat.
2: (laughs) That's right. Yes. There's a very strange psychology study, but that's what they concluded. Nice. (laughs) Tom Webster, you got all three questions correct. Nailed it. A perfect score. Tom clearly knows his stuff. How did you do? Well, if you'd like to play next month, or if you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show, shoot us an email at podcast at curiosity.
0: One of the things I imagine is difficult to do with a daily show is to actually get true value from the backlog and to make sure people don't miss stuff. So I love that you're actually overtly talking about different things you've covered in the past and and overtly building community with people. I'm curious, in addition to the trivia, how else do you think about all this hard work that has gone into all of these episodes that are so quickly buried in the feed as time passes? How do you make sure they don't just become this quick little moment and then like vapor, they disappear?
1: Uh, So I designed a pod, we designed our podcast website to basically become a searchable repository of all our episodes it's kind of all you can do you know i just want it to be around and have nice keywords so that people can go find it some sometimes we'll share older episodes we will rerun clips from older episodes to let people know like look there's more than 700 episodes
0: chances are you haven't heard all of them maybe wow. you have some people have said that they've listened to everyone which is great Ashley, when when Cody said uh, keywords, you made you made a face. It wasn't a face that I could describe as good or bad. But what was going through your mind?
2: Oh, I was just I wanted I wanted him to talk about the way that we've been doing little rerun segments because we actually started that when he went on paternity leave. We were thinking, well, what's a way that we could keep Cody involved with the show, keep people hearing Cody's voice while he's away having raising a baby, and now that he's back. We're like, actually, that's really good. People haven't heard a lot of these. We should just play them. So we're doing it once a week. We're running an old, an old segment. And the same thing is true with the trivia. It wasn't a it wasn't primarily to keep people hearing old content. It was to connect with our audience during COVID when we thought that maybe people needed more of a human presence. And I, I think maybe partially I needed more of a human presence also. So I got to actually talk to our listeners. But yeah, and it's turned out to be a great way to be like, you know, if you want to hear these episodes and you haven't, here, here are the links in the show notes. It can do a number on your sense of self to be a public performer
0: and personality. And one of the things I'm curious about is we've, we've had people on this show before say, yeah, you know, I'm just trying to be my true self on the microphone. And I think the on the microphone part is is something we we don't pay enough attention to because it's not actually your true self. It's your true self on the microphone. The context is different than if they're actually hanging out with you face to face. And so uh, I'm wondering, are there actually things that you're like, well, I know this personality trait about me is something that is a part of my public persona. And so I'm trying to cultivate it and bring it forth. Or are you just completely relaxed at this point and you are just sort of being who you are?
2: So I feel like... Myself on the microphone is myself through and through. I just get really excited about the stuff that we cover and I sound very enthusiastic. And you can go through our iTunes reviews and see how annoying some people find that. <laughs> and, uh, you know what? I'm, I could, I could try to change it, but I figure enough people have also said that they love the enthusiasm that I'm going to keep it going. But, Yeah, it's not really anything that I'm that I'm striving to bring forth. It's really it is. It does really feel like me.
0: Was that was that always the case? I mean, was it like you fired up a microphone one day and you're like, wow, this is just me and this is easy? Or is there some kind of level of muscle memory and practice required to get to that point?
2: I I can hear in my old recordings that I am lower energy and a little bit more nervous. So I think all that's happened is that the shield has come down. So Cody, uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd add same question for you, but I'd also add because of your
0: experience in in terrestrial radio and, um, and streaming radio, I feel like there's perhaps more coaching that talent gets, or you're perhaps trying to fit a box because there's like a certain sound to the show, or, you know, there's like an announcer element or journalistic element that maybe podcasts play with and warp or even throw out the window. So I'm curious about that. It's like the conscious delivery of the voice to sound a certain way versus you just kind of show up and, You are who you are.
1: Yeah, it depends on, um, you know, the feedback you're talking about depends on what managers or hosts you're working with. I have cultivated personas in the past. When I was a single guy in my early 20s on Brian's show, I, I was like, the, you know, this hammed up ladies man. Um, I was kind of a parody of myself with nerd things. I would like talk in the Game of Thrones dialect for a whole episode and just, you know, um, I kind of put myself out there for him to, to riff off of because he's a comedian and that was our dynamic. So I've done it in the past. With Curiosity Daily, kind of like Ashley said, like I, I don't notice a significant difference between Ashley on mic or off. Uh, and I think that I'm pretty much the same way. I think that Curiosity Daily listeners are really getting us, especially with like our anecdotes. Like I talk about the video games I'm playing. Uh it it's easy. It's a lot easier that way, which is kind of nice. And I I can't I can't really pin down why that is. I maybe it's just our specific dynamic. Maybe it's um that's actually that's probably it that's probably it it's just like we're just gonna be us and that's just gonna be how it is and we don't need to like kind of like give ourselves roles you know high status low status the kind of comedic like ideas we just kind of do it and uh that's where we're at
2: i think i think we also just are incredibly lucky to have been paired up i think we just have really good chemistry and we like each other and we're friends now so yeah it's That That was good. was
1: very, very lucky.
0: (laughs) A lot of shows will give swag and some people send little handwritten notes as a way of saying thank you. Um, What we do here on three clips is we place a donation to no kid hungry in your name, in in your honor, as a way of saying thank you for coming on the show. It's not only a, a way for us to give some attention to that organization that we think does great work. I think for every dollar donated, they somehow create 10 healthy meals For children in need. But obviously during the pandemic, that need has only grown. There are way more children than ever before that are food insecure. So we're going to place a donation for each of you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for doing the show that you do and uh, for supporting and listening to our show. Thank you so much for listening. Every time you do, you're supporting an independent show built by independent creators. Do you really think my voice would sound like this if I had the apparatus of public radio or some other large media company around me? I mean, I would have a dedicated voice coach, my friend. Maybe not. I have no idea what goes on inside those organizations. Anyways, this episode was produced by Cherie Turner. Original theme music by Cardboard Rocket Chip. Big thanks to our presenting sponsor, as always, Wistia. Wistia sells tools for podcasters and video marketers who believe in making business more human. You can explore those tools and their original series about building modern, creative, human-centric brands, all of which is found at wistia.com or check the show notes for a link to their site. Lastly, you can subscribe to my newsletter, Playing Favorites, to get one new story from me every Friday morning, all about making your audience's favorite things. That's the job. So let's push aside all the other junk and noise and focus on why we do this work to make stuff that matters all of these links are in your show notes. Oh, and hey, I launched a brand new website. You can go to com now. Check out what we've done with the place. I love it. I can't believe it's here. It's like Christmas morning for me. All of my shows, my newsletter, all my projects are found at com. So check it out, jayaconzo.com. All right. Now let's go to our final bonus segment. As you know, every episode, we ask our guests for a podcast that they want to recommend to you that is not at the top of the charts, a show they want to show some love to. We call this segment, Play It Forward.
2: I know the rule is that it's not supposed to be famous. It's a little famous, but I still think a lot of people haven't heard about it. So I love nonfiction shows. I am not really big into comedy shows or fiction shows. Yet this show is something I just enjoy immensely and it is called Everything is Alive. It's interviews with inanimate objects. All of the inanimate objects are played by comedians and the interviewer is Ian Chillog and it's just it's so delightful. It you would not think that you would enjoy an interview uh, with an inanimate, with a light post or or something like that or or a mirror but it is just the best
0: wholeheartedly agree cody what's your show to play it forward to my favorite
1: podcast is called citations needed it's hosted by uh, Nima shirazi and adam johnson they're two academics and they take an academic approach to the way the media talks about certain things it's a very political show there are people that will not like it at all like at all it is not for everybody um, but I find it really useful, and it 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 helps me exp- it helps me understand better what the media is saying and how they're saying it. But also how I can use my v- own vocabulary to talk about certain things on our show, whether it's talking about like the, using the term middle class or talking about uh, Black Lives Matter or uh, or trans rights or like whatever it is, language is really important, and it kind of pulls back the curtain on. The way it's used by the media and sometimes some nefarious ways. So, it's, so it's a, I'm a big fan.
0: Everything is alive. And your show again, Cody? Citations needed. Citations needed. All right, that's it for this episode and my vocal cords. I am Jay Akunzo, and I believe tea is always the solution when it's not coffee or, or bourbon. Or, yeah. Okay. So anyways, I believe this work is not about who arrives. It's about who stays. So thanks for staying with me, despite all the voice trouble this week, and I'll talk to you this coming Monday on a new episode of the show. See ya. See ya. See ya. Just became a 12-year-old boy. Okay, bye. Hey, it's Jay again, Uh, you know, the guy that was just talking to you. I'm adding this afterwards because during my conversation with Ashley and Cody, I'd asked them how they approach their responsibility as science communicators to, on the one hand, make the science they're discussing accessible for the layperson, but on the other, to somehow still honor the fact that a lot of intellectual rigor and a lot of details they can't get to go into the stuff that they're exploring. And Ashley later contacted me and said, you know, I thought about that a little bit more. I'd love to send you my full take on it. And I thought it was great. So I want to play that for you now. Here's Ashley answering that question in more detail.
2: Hi, all. This is Ashley with the answer to a question that's been on my mind since you asked it. Basically, the question was in reference to the way some of the science is oversimplified. And this is a concept that I think about all the time. So this is what I think about it. Basically, there's a difference between accuracy and precision. Precision is about level of detail. Like you'd use more precision with a PhD student than you would with a five-year-old. But if you're doing it right both of your explanations would include the same level of accuracy. Like, they would both be just as truthful. So, like, an example would be eating that Girl Scout cookie lit up the reward center of my brain versus thinking about Girl Scout cookies triggered a spike in my mesolimbic dopamine pathway that made me want to eat the cookie. Both of those are technically accurate. They are both just as truthful. But the second one is more precise than the first. And precision can be too much of a good thing. I mean, if you if you have too much precision in your explanation, that means you're using really dense terminology and you'll you might lose people. So basically, my MO is I try to explain scientific concepts in a way that's accurate, but imprecise enough for a general audience science fan to relate to and understand.